1: Locked on Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're back with Sage Rosenfels on an unorthodox Tuesday. Sage, we're five days removed from it, but we still have to talk about Thanksgiving and all that happened on that day. First of all, did you have an enjoyable day aside from football with the festivities and the food and the family and all that?
0: Absolutely wonderful. And I was up in the Twin Cities. There was great weather for late November. I believe it was 61. Uh, on Thanksgiving and I believe the next couple days it was uh, in the high 30s low 40s but sunny and it was just a beautiful weekend uh, walked around Lake Calhoun right there and in, in uptown and uh, obviously enjoyed a lot of turkey and, and really enjoyed a, a really important Vikings win really separated themselves uh, from the Lions and the Packers and the NFC North
1: yeah that was enormous and even though it got dicey at the end you know I was saying the day after the game that You just have to escape. A road game against a division opponent is just like the Chicago Bears game earlier in the season. It wasn't pretty. It was much closer than it should have been. But do we remember that now? No. That's part of a seven-game winning streak, as is Thursday's win against Detroit. Case Keenum further solidifies himself. The defense bends a little bit in the second half but survives. That's what it's all about. And I think the, the big question going forward is, Xavier Rhodes had a little bit of trouble against Detroit. How is he going to fare against Julio Jones and the Falcons coming up next week? Um, Cause that's going to be an even greater test.
0: It will be. And uh, yeah, a lot to take away from that game. You know, one thing I was just thinking of, it, it seems like during the seven game winning streak, uh, that case Keenum for the most part, they've had the lead. Uh, I think in the, the bears game, they're behind at the halftime or, or something when he came in for Sam Bradford. But you no, know, for the most part, he has had the lead. So at some point here, you know, I wonder, uh, are the Vikings going to be down 14 points in case has to bring them back? Uh, he has really not had to do that too much yet. Something to, to look forward to as we head into December. And, and what you said with this big upcoming matchup, really these next two games, uh, man, they really uh, hit the Vikings with a hard stretch here. At Atlanta, at Carolina, two huge games, then the last three, very, very winnable. Three games they should win uh, at the end of the season, but... These next two will be very challenging. And Julio Jones, probably the most physical, physically talented uh, receiver in the NFL uh, from this pure size, power, strength, speed. Xavier Rhodes is going to have his hands full. The, the, that, that will be, hands down, the, probably, the, probably the best matchup in the whole NFL This week is Xavier Rhodes versus Julio Jones.
1: Yeah, well, Jones just abused the Bucs. He had 12 catches, 253 yards, two touchdowns. One of them came from Mohamed Sanu on a wildcat pass for 51 yards. But I watched all of those catches back, and it's a lot of intermediate stuff. It's 20, 22, 25-yard catches. He works the sideline well. He's got that deep cross where he runs about 30 yards across the field, sideline to sideline, and m- makes the catch. He'll he'll sell the post, and then he'll cut out, and he'll totally fool the defensive back. He did that twice against the Bucks. He's obviously got great speed on the go route, and they'll work him in the flat for yards after catch. There's really no element of his game where he lacks. Um, that's an impressive receiver, and he's just passed Adam Thielen in receiving yards with, a, I think, 1,039 on the year. Thielen's at 1,005. But, by the way, congrats to Adam Thielen on 1,000 yards. Last time uh, we saw a guy do that, it was your teammate, Sidney Rice, back in 2009.
0: And it wasn't this early in the season, I promise you that. So, yeah, as you said, with Julio Jones, and I watched a lot of that Atlanta game uh, this past weekend, he really showed that he can do it all. And, you know, with how much man-to-man the Vikings play, you're going to see a lot of those deep crossing routes. Those are sort of the the routes that give the offensive players uh, a big advantage are play action and then uh, a deep 20, 25-yard crossing route where those wide receivers can really uh, have time to work and and really get separation away from defensive backs. And so, obviously, Xavier's going to have his hands full with trying to cover Julio Jones for, you know, really you're running about 40 yards on those types of plays. Uh, He also showed he can run what they call the shake route, which they post – and then you break it off and, and go to the corner, or really almost an out. Uh, he ran two or three of those in, in that game as well. Uh, they, they throw short stuff to him. They throw slants to him, hitches, back shoulder fade routes. He really is a complete wide receiver. He's healthy, uh, and Matt Ryan is really uh, playing extremely well these last couple of weeks. The, the Atlanta Falcons have had, sort of had that Super Bowl runner-up hangover, which seems to be going on almost every time a team loses the Super Bowl. But it really does seem like uh, he has gotten used to not having Kyle Shanahan as the offense coordinator, having Steve Sartesian now as the coordinator. They're, they're two-thirds of the way into the season. It seems like they've all gotten used to the game plans and the play calls uh, and those types of things. And, and and right now, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are just uh, just on fire.
1: Four and four start to the season, and then they beat Dallas by 20. They beat Seattle on the road which is not easy to do. Blair Walsh missed the field goal late that would have tied it. And then they crushed Tampa Bay 34-20. to 20. They've averaged over 30 points the last three games. They're 7-4. and four. Matt Ryan, 70% completion percentage in all three of those wins. And while his overall stats this season are not what they were last year, last year he had 38 TDs, 7 picks, his best season of his career, He's already exceeded the interception total. He's up to eight picks this year against 16 touchdowns. But the way he's playing the last three games, I think, are more the way he was playing last season. And that's scary for the Vikings to play a team on the road who's playing their best football. Minnesota has two, just two big tests left to survive. And it feels like the Vikings are really going to have a big say in who makes the playoffs in the NFC because the, the Falcons, they can't afford to lose. They've got the Saints and Panthers one game ahead of them. They've got the Seahawks on their tail, the Lions on their tail. I mean, this is a massive game for Atlanta, probably bigger than it is for Minnesota.
0: Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to those regular season games that feel like playoff games. And for the Falcons, uh, they are definitely in you know, sort of make-or-break-it you know, part of their season. And, and we all know that at the end of the year, usually the last two or three games – i say the last three games, it seems like two of them are usually divisional opponents. Uh, I'm sure it's no different for Atlanta. Uh, This is a good football team. They've been there. They've done it. Their defense, which was sort of a weakness last year, they are very young. Uh, They're fast and they're small, uh, but they're a year older. They're a year better and and under Dan Quinn's system. And uh, let's not forget about uh, Muhammad Sanu, the guy who threw that 50-yard touchdown pass to Julio Jones in that game. Muhammad Sanu is a very good number two wide receiver. He does a lot of things well. Uh, he's no Julio Jones, but he sort of has that same size. He's about 6'4", uh, probably about 220 pounds. He can run some he, – he's good with deep stuff. He's good with underneath stuff. Does a lot of the dirty work. He sort of reminds me of an Amani Toomer back in the New York Giants days. Nothing too fancy, but just gets the job done and is clutch on third down. So, Uh, He is definitely a weapon on the other side of Julio Jones as well that the Vikings are going to have their hands full of him this weekend as well.
2: Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass dot com slash per is offering fifteen percent off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast dot com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast dot com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning into Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing.
1: Yep, Sanu number two on their team in receiving yards, Austin Hooper is number three, Taylor Gabriel. Number four, he's got great speed. And then Tevin Coleman is a threat out of the backfield. He also leads them in rushing yards, as Devontae Freeman, I think, is still coming back from concussion protocol.
0: Coleman uh, is a beast. The more I watch him this year, more than last year, it seems like this guy, number 26, he is big and he is strong and extremely explosive and fast. He took a, I think it was just a toss sweep or something in that game, and just outran the pursuit uh, uh, for about a thirty or so yard touchdown. He is an extremely talented running back uh, for the Falcons when, with, with you know, without having Devontae Freeman, who is also a very good running back in their backfield. So a lot of a lot of talent at their skill positions in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I remember that touchdown you're talking about. They clinched the game for the Falcons, and and their two headed monster of Coleman Freeman is is basically a much more efficient version of the Vikings two-headed attack with McKinnon and Murray. Both of those backs are averaging about four and a half a carry, and uh, the Vikings' two backs are below four. That'll be a huge test to stop their running game if both uh, are intact. I kind of have an overarching NFC question here. Uh, Let's exclude Philadelphia from the question because they're obviously good. They're obviously the class of the conference right now. Who scares you most after Philadelphia? You've got the Saints, Rams, Panthers, all eight and three. Falcons seven and four, Seahawks seven and four. Of that uh, group of five, which team would you not want to face in the playoffs?
0: Uh, I think the Falcons right now. To be honest with you, the Saints are one of those teams I believe are um, not quite as good as what they, you know, their record may say. But let's go back; they they got really destroyed uh, this last weekend. You know, the, 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 their offense. Uh, I believe put up about 10 points for the majority of that football game, maybe the whole game. Drew Breeze was constantly harassed. And then the previous week, you know, they lost in, in – uh, I'm sorry, they beat uh, w- with a sort of wild comeback down 15 points to Washington. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, Washington is just a, an average football, average football team. So uh, I, I think the Saints, of any of them, are probably the weakest team who has a really good record. Uh, who's sort of winning the division right now. I think they might fall off when they play Carolina uh, and Atlanta again. But I got to think the Falcons. You know, they're the team who's been there. They've done it, and uh, and they're getting hot right now. And I can definitely see them winning the, uh, the NFC South.
1: And the NFC South basically is going to cannibalize itself in the last month of the season. They all play each other. Atlanta plays the Saints twice and the Panthers once in their last four games. So that's going to decide basically everything it's going to come down to those divisional games and minnesota i think is is sort of in a in a spot where they don't need to fret too much about the division anymore they can set their sights on greater things which is comforting at this stage of the season they're well ahead in their division the eagles are well ahead in their division and then you've got big battles in the west and the south
0: what really important uh is that you know we talk about once you feel like you've sort of locked up your division, the Vikings haven't done it yet, but they're getting closer, you know, with each week. But at at the next level, then, you're talking about home field advantage. You're talking about buys. I mean, in 2009, we had a buy the first round, but we did not have home field advantage. I got to think of Drew Brees and company coming to the Metrodome in 2009. We win that game by, you know, I think Mm two-plus touchdowns. I think we were that much better of a football team. But going down to New Orleans one of the toughest play places to play in the league uh, was not to our advantage. So, uh, you know, when you're at this late in the season, you only have two losses. Uh, if you're not thinking that every win is crucial because of, one, just getting that bye in the playoffs, uh, and then, two, having home field advantage, whether through the first couple of rounds or, or through uh, the, the championship game, uh, you, you have to think about all those things. It's it's uh, Even though it's it's not just getting to the playoffs, uh, it's really trying to make yourself – uh, put yourself in the best position to get to the Super Bowl.
1: I have such a hard time believing coaches who say, oh, yeah, we're not too worried about, you know, the standings right now. We'll just add them up when the season's done. And And that's definitely the attitude Mike Zimmer takes. And I just, I can't grasp that they're not looking at the bigger picture here. Do, do you think that's more of a public message and that privately, they are focused on the on the standings. They are thinking, at least, about the potential for a buy.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you're always thinking about you know when you see, when you're in football meetings all day long, and uh, you know you're talking with your teammates, whether it's in the locker room or in the cafeteria. You're always sort of discussing things that aren't just about this week, the the broader picture, and I, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, everyone knows at the end of the day, it's all about this week. Uh, and winning this week and, and trying to somehow get a win in Atlanta, somehow gain a win in the following week. It's, it's a week-to-week sport. But at the end of the day, if you don't have just in the back of your mind, what is the grand scheme here? What are our possibilities? I mean, if you look at you know, teams like Atlanta and Carolina, they're, they're just trying to win their division and get to the playoffs. I don't think they're really thinking about home field advantage, uh, being that they have all have like four losses the Vikings should be legitimately thinking about home field advantage and getting buys in the first round
1: absolutely there's plenty more to uh to learn this week about the Vikings injury situation that we don't know much right now Anderson Deho missed the last game we'll see if he's healthier Mike Remmers had a concussion he missed last game we'll see if he's healthier and uh we'll go from there with the Vikings they practice on Wednesday for the first time this week at 1 p.m. and then Thursday and Friday as well to get ready for Atlanta. So, Sage, we'll touch base with you later in the week. We'll talk more about this Falcons team and how it's shaping up.
0: Should be an ab- absolutely great matchup on Sunday. Probably the, the last NFL game of the week in my opinion.
1: Yep, definitely might be. And you don't often get games like this late in the year. And I think not just this game, but... The NFL's got a really nice schedule shaping up with a lot of, like we talked about, the NFC South's going to have some great games. You've got the the Eagles playing the Rams coming up. They got, they're playing the Seahawks, I think, this week. So there's going to be some really good matchups in this league. This is Lockdown Vikings on the Lockdown Podcast Network. He's Sage Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review for a chance to win a pro football focus subscription, and drop your Twitter handle in the review. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, sports fans! My name is Ben Beacon. and I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune in to Locked Wolves daily Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Lockdown Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.